Hello, welcome to another episode of the um, Game Design Chat Podcast, hosted by me- uh, members of the Knoxville Game Design Meetup. You can find out more information about us and who we are at knoxgamedesign.org. Today is Sunday, the uh, November 13th. Uh, the game this month we're going to be discussing is Inside uh, by Playdead. Uh, I believe it's a studio name. Um, and next month's game, well, okay. So the next game is um, Dwarf Fortress, the, the it legendary indie game of high complex ASCII characters. Um, so we're going to dive into that. But with the holiday schedule and everything like that, uh, that podcast will be our January podcast. So you have about two months to try to dive in, understand, and figure out what's going on in Dwarf Fortress. Uh, the upshot is it's free. The downshot is it's not going to be a game that meets our 10-hour rule. It's going to going to go beyond, um, you know, playing in a sitting or two uh, with that. So you've got now until then, uh, maybe quiet time during the holidays or something. You can play that. Uh, joining me for this podcast is Joe and Levi. And Joe, uh, what's going on recently in your world, game-wise? Oh, game-wise, I played Inside this month. <laughs> that was about it. No. That's about it. Yeah, no, I haven't played much. Any significant game development projects? Yeah, I've been working back through my Ludumdare 36 entry and getting it ready for mobile release. So I was adding a couple different game modes and touching up the high score tables and sound effects and music and everything, just polishing it up. I should have that out by the end of the month. Um, and then, uh, just, you know, day job and baby. Day job, baby, life. <laughs> Levi? I've been pretty busy. Been playing a lot, developing a lot. I did game jam called the Zero Hour Game Jam. Uh, took place from 2 a.m. to 2 a.m. during the time change. And so basically you had an hour to develop a game. So I did a simple little shooter in Unity with Playmaker. I actually spent a little, little bit of time after making a post-compo version. Uh, Enhancing the graphics, adding a lot of flash and bang, whiz bang graphics and everything. Uh, the games, and also, uh, I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but my One Gunman game got greenlit, so I've been improving that as well. Uh, as far as games go, I played Maniac Mansion for the NES. Uh, ever since we played Franbo for the podcast, right. I've wanted to go back and play Maniac Mansion because it reminded me a lot of that game. So you played that back when it came out. So this is like going back. Going back. So I originally played a little bit of it when I was a kid. That's like before walkthroughs and things like that. So I did like cheat a little bit and used a walkthrough for that. Then I found out there was a sequel to Maniac Mansion called Day of the Tentacle. And I think that came out around 90, 93 or sometime. Generally regarded better. Um, yeah. And I found out recently this year they came out with a remastered next. version. Yep. So I went out and got the remastered version of uh, Day of the Tentacle on Steam. I enjoyed it. I think it was like $15 or so. I think it was probably worth it. Uh, but really enjoyed playing through that. put the hamster in the microwave? Uh, no, I didn't put the hamster in the <laughs> microwave this time. <laughs> I remember that. It was like very controversial back in the day. But yeah, you have like the three different characters similar to Maniac Mansion, but they're in different periods of time. Like you have this guy named Rody. Roadie or Hoagie or something. Hoagie, that's a roadie. Hoagie, that's a roadie. Yeah. Right? yeah. And he goes back into colonial times and you have 
puzzles with George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Then Bernard, who was in the original Maniac Mansion, he's like in current day. He doesn't get time warped. Then you have another character, female character, gets warped into the future. So you're kind of like at the mansion in three different parts of time, and you can send items back and forth between these characters. So I thought it was a lot of fun. Played a game on PlayStation 4, I believe is one of the PlayStation Plus games called Tower of Deadly Monsters. It was really interesting. It's like a dungeon crawler, except you're going up a tower. And it's set as like a 50s or 60s sci-fi movie. And you have a guy commentating like he was the director of the movie, looking back at, at the things that he did during this movie. So I thought it was a lot of fun. On the Wii U, I played the latest Super Mario game, um, 3D game. I can't remember what the name of it was. It was like Wii U, Super Wii U. It's the one where you play as a cat. Okay, and I remember so, that in the story. So I think the cat was pretty well done. I, th- I thought it was the best done 3D Mario game yet. Uh, the power-up that I really liked a lot that they really n- didn't talk about much as far as I've heard about with this game was the cherry power-up which splits Mario into two. So you're like controlling two Marios at the same time. Then if you pick up another cherry you can place three or four all at the same time and it sets up wow. some really interesting puzzles. Kind of like some of the Zelda games where you can play multiple links. Um, it still had the Wii U annoyances that I found like in games like the Star Fox Zero, where you have special levels you can only use the screen gamepad with. It's uh, like, just let me play with the pro controller. controller yeah. Don't force me to switch that's, controllers. That's kind of my concern with the Nintendo Switch. It's like, I, I, that's cool, but I would like to play these 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 games, Mario games. That they don't need this additional thing. Like if you want to make a game that uses it, that's really cool, and that's the gimmick of the game. But retrofitting it, enforcing it, didn't work well. Um, one last thing that I played a little bit of a few days ago was I played the World of Final Fantasy demo. I believe that's another free one on the PlayStation Plus store. Maybe it's not Final Fantasy 15. That's something else. No, no, this is World of Final Fantasy. So my opinion of it is it seems like it has a really solid game engine, a battle system there. But the aesthetics really don't work well together because you have like a normal like anime type character. Then you have like a little chibi version of the same character. And you switch between these different characters and it just doesn't mesh well at all. But I, it seems like it has a solid engine. I, I only played the very beginning of the demo on the first couple of battles. So I didn't really get it. I don't I didn't understand you're like stacking people on top of your head. Yeah, you have like a big character, then a little smaller character, and a smaller character on top of that. And that's like your (laughs) attack group. You can break them apart and put them together, and you got different abilities. But it seems like it's trying to be Final Fantasy meets Pokemon. Because you got like these Pokeballs or acquire abilities that you can trap characters or trap monsters, and that becomes part of your character stack right there. So, all right. Well, cool. Um, you mentioned uh, Maniac Mansion, and I got a Maniac Mansion story. Since I've just been playing Overwatch and Dragon's Dogma still, and I went back to Mass Effect because I just wanted to mm-hmm. check that game out again and make sure it holds up after being disappointed by Dead Space not holding up. And I used to think that was really good, and I went back and like, it's not. I think I mentioned that in the last podcast. but um, So we played Maniac Mansion back in the day uh, on PC. This is before the SNES port. Uh, which a lot of people were familiar with Maniac Mansion on the SNES. Um, uh, so we played it, I played it on our Tandy. 
And our family was the one that pirated games for everybody else. So, like, we would get them and make copies for everybody. And DRM back then was, like, codes in the manual. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how the SNES version does it, actually, but the nuclear-armed door in the second floor of the mansion, Mm -hmm. there was a giant poster size, you know, you're, you're talking, like, say, 18 by 12 fold-out, um, double-sided, of codes. And the door would prompt you for one, and you'd have to look up across, like, 20 columns and 300 rows, the, the sequence to enter into the door. Yeah. That was their DRM. And it was vicious because you can play half that game before you get to that door, get right? get to the ending. I think in the NES version, the... There's like an arcade room, and you're supposed to go in and play against Ned or Fred or whichever one. And the high score of the arcade machine was the code that you put into that final door. But there's a trick that I read in the walkthrough. If you don't ever play the arcade machine, the default high score is zero, 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 zero. So you just enter oh, okay. all zeros. Well, they weren't worried about people copying an S card. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's actually So physical. what they did is they printed that big sheet in black ink on dark purple paper, which then destroyed all kinds of photography or Xerox machines or nothing could copy that. So my dad, um, because it was a really great game, my friend would come over, they'd start playing it, and then, you know, he wanted to share it. Sat down in a really ancient program called uh, AutoSketch and made macros for each symbol and then just sat there at night entering on the keys the numbers that match the symbols and filling out this document, recreating this entire thing as a vector graphics document so that we could print it off. And, you know, um, I mean, at this point, it sounds like just buy people a copy of the game. It'd probably yeah. be a lot less painful. But I remember games like Wing Commander doing that. It's like before you could even start playing, it's like, oh, read page 42 right. of your manual. And that was usually the, the startup. Like on yeah. page 43, the second paragraph, first word exactly. is blah. Um, and we just copied the manual and everybody'd be fine. Well, we had 640K memory in the Tandy. We had actually upgraded it. That was like the upgraded level of memory. It saved on five and a quarter floppies. Okay. Um, when you started working on AutoSketch, it boot up and it would tell you this is just to give you an idea of program time. Once it was in memory, it used itself 5% of the memory. So the other 640K that's not in that 5% number, right? Whatever that works out to be, um, like 30, 40K or whatever, was there for your document. Do either of you remember how much a five and a quarter floppy space has on it? Was it one meg, 1.44? No, no that was three, three and a half. half. Yeah. And those were the double-sided three and a halves. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know about five and a quarter. 320K was a five and a quarter single-sided. We hadn't even got into the double-sided era yet. I remember playing Oregon Trail and having to flip it over halfway through. Yeah, yeah, that was like, that that was literally the the precursor to double-sided disc was literally flipping them over. That's why they're called double-sided. Just the readers got better. She didn't have to do that flip over anymore. So dad stayed up one night. He'd been working on this, working on this file, working on this file. And he just stayed up one night and... Let's say we went to bed about 4 a.m. is when he said he about finished it. Hit save. You have 640K memory. Minus the 5%. You have a 320K floppy. Uh-oh. Uh. 
you can't save this document. Oh. It would let you work on a file bigger. And there's no like span of floppy. There's no hard drive in yeah. the computer. And um, he told me it was about 30 minutes before he finally brought himself to just hit the power button. Wow. <laughs> um, couldn't even print it because it couldn't spool to disk the print information. So it was just all there completed. Yeah. Entered the entire thing. Just couldn't save it. <laughs> couldn't save it. And, you know... They probably deserve that. The karma of copying all these games yeah. against a friend, you know. Uh, yeah, so, all right, let's get into um, Inside and off of the criminal history of my father. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, spoiler warnings. Um, and big spoilers. Big spoilers for this game. The game is only about three hours long, three and a half, four hours long, if you go through it once. Um, so... It's almost like if you have any interest or if you feel like you want to play this game as we're talking about, it, just stop immediately and play it. It's not that long, okay? Um, and it's kind of, if it gets spoiled for you, I don't know. It's a game that can be that you may might come back to and enjoy. This um, is a big reason why I don't look at screenshots, a lot of screenshots for games, because just seeing the screenshots later in the game can spoil it for you. Exactly. We're going to once again try to cover this um, as best we can remember in chronological order of the game. Um, so that'll give you some time on the spoiler warning. Um, but the game opens up, um, and you're a kid running through the forest, um, I'll tell you the very first note that I made was I could find no subtitles option in the menu because that's the first thing I went to turn on. Well, there's no talking in the game whatsoever. So that's why there was no subtitle audio. But that was the very first thing that I wrote down. Um, Overall, and then, there wasn't a lot of talking in the game. There's none. I don't think there's any. Oh, okay. And there's no on-screen text at all. There's no that's... on-screen text. There's, there's nothing. So just. Just I think there were some shouts of like agony or something there at the end, but no actual spoken. Like just ah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. screaming. <laughs> yeah, and some of the guys they would either like whistle at you or they might say like "hey" or something like that before they went after you in the yeah. woods. Nothing and that would need subtitling. Yeah. Um. So right off the bat, I noticed um you had very slow movement. You had a short jump. Um, and it was a 3D world, but you were trapped to a 2D plane. Unlike Limbo, which was all 2D. Yeah, it pretty much was l rendered in 3D, but had the gameplay of, of Limbo's 2D. And I think yeah. Limbo was the same way, no talking or anything like that throughout uh, the game. I didn't play Limbo, so. Um. I came into this one blind, I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I had played Limbo and wasn't thrilled by it, so know that as we go on and we talk about these things and I wasn't thrilled by Limbo I played Limbo I thought it was fine I mean I thought it was kind of open-ended at the end but like with this game I thought the puzzles were easy enough where I didn't have to consult a walkthrough or anything so before we get like into like actual story any more bits on the opening just impressions you know alright so you start off um, and you're sneaking and your kid's sneaking by and you're trying to avoid everything um <clears throat> There's a bit in the in the early bit where um, it's a guy with a light in in front of a, a system, like it looks like maybe an incinerator of some kind. Who knows? Um, and you have to sneak past him. You have to let him move on. Uh, if you walk out with the flashlight, you get caught. Um, and what looks like he just grabs you. Um, it doesn't look like he actually harms uh, you in any way, other than just like you know uh, holds you so you can't get away. Uh, now, I noticed, I, I played this back and forth a lot because I, I was actually really impressed with the scene. 
Um, first of all, as you approached, the the character crouched on his own. It's not a command that you entered. The character just naturally crouched and looked like he was trying to hide. And I thought that was a really effective um, tutorial that you have to hide, right? Nothing popped up on the screen. Nothing said, avoid the lights or you will get caught. But my character acted scared as soon as there were people around, and that immediately made me feel like I have to hide without being told. And I thought that was really clever. Um, he would like really stand behind things in the 3D environment too. Like uh, if you creeped up to the edge, he would kind of touch it and yeah, peek hold. around. Um, later in the game, he would look at things in the distance, like other people or things like that. If you stood still for a moment. Um, there's a lot of work, I think, that went into his animations and what he does that, um, if you run through it, you may not notice, but subliminally they're working on you and they're coding to you as to what is expected, uh, of the player. Um, one thing with the crouching is that, um, it's, it's sort of dramatic the first time it does it because the move from standing to crouching is hidden by a foreground tree. Like I said, I played this little scene back and forth a couple times, just to sort of like, what will get me killed? Like, and I wouldn't have done this if we weren't doing this for the podcast. Okay. You just sneak by it. No big deal. But I just wanted to see like, where are the limits? Where are the bounds here? And I noticed like there's a foreground tree that blocks your view. And when you're on one side, you're crouched on the other, you're not. And playing that back and forth of, of that tree blocking your view and coming on the other side crouched really amped up the drama, I felt, of selling that moment. Yeah, I did make a note that there really wasn't any context-sensitive, like, press this button here. It didn't pop a big X up or anything to press that button or anything. So I thought that was a good way to, like, keep you into the game. But sometimes it made the items that you actually need to interact with they need to be a little bit more noticeable because it's like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to move this pig or this box or whatever. Yeah, and so yeah. you realize like you do have interactables. I think a lot of them, towards the end, I think I just ended up holding down the interact button as yeah. I was running through just because you didn't really know. Sometimes they were, they were more obvious. There was like lighting or something was, there was very obviously in the center of your vision. Yeah, but, some of the ones for the bonus puzzles at the end, the collectibles were like nearly impossible to see. I mean, unless you're actually looking for them. My first complaint on the game is going to be that uh, because they, they did really well with the no explicit tutorial for the most part, but some bits and several sequences were you're going to have to just die. You're going to just have to die the first time to know what you were even supposed to do. There isn't anything communicating to you here that this is a thing that can happen in the game. Um, whereas other games might show that happening to you. So like you'll sneak through this forest and then you'll kind of get to the farm. All right. Let's just jump forward to the farm. Oh, I have and, a note about oh, the note? kid at the beginning. Okay. So I didn't expect, I think this is before the farm when you jump in the lake and everything. I didn't expect the kid get shot. That was like shocking to me. It's like, bam, he's dead. It's like, oh, this is a little kid. Then after I played through it a little bit more, I was like, oh, that was like a tranquilizer dart. You could kind of see the little tail on the end, but it was still very, and the choking deaths were, I, don't, I can't remember if it's like the kid drowning in the water or it looked like they were choking the kid. It's just, I didn't expect There's that level one. of violence part where it looks like he might have held the kid underwater for a moment when yeah. he catches you. Um, I got yeah. one of the dog deaths that was extremely violent that the, surprised the, me. 
you were kibbles and bits for the dogs. If yeah. the dogs ever caught you, I mean, just... that was my first death. Was one of the dog got me and like ripped out the throat, and there was blood splatter. I was like, "Play Dead" okay. basically adheres to the <laughs> belief that dogs are the worst enemies in all video games, because <laughs> um, they were the most terrifying of anything that ever came at me. If it was a dog, my heart was racing. Um, and like you, know. you were saying earlier, I wasn't sure why the kid was running away. I was thinking maybe the exposition would have been explained later, which I'm still... There's like theories on why he was yeah. escaping. We can, do we can get into that toward the end. Um, maybe we'll have more information by then. I doubt it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I do have a note here. After escaping the dog, uh, allowed a uh, flashlight to see me. Um, and one thing I thought was really nice is it was very clear in the game when you were in a zone of a flashlight and when you were not. Like, that was a pretty circular, like, they didn't diffuse those edges. Um, so you could tell, like, I'm either inside the zone or not. And I thought that was good because it was such a key mechanic. We got having a, um, got shot, not expected, uh, and they're very dark for the story. That So I was right there with you uh, that moment. And then I think, yes, the second time later I got shot. I have a note here. Uh, it was shot a second time and noticed a dart sticking out. So maybe it was just a tranquilizer. Maybe they're not shooting kids. Um, what little I knew at the time. Huh? <laughs> um, I had an assumption, like you were talking about with the story, that I'm to understand the kid knows more about the world than I do. Okay, so sometimes you're put into a character who's learning about the world, and then you are. And this felt like their storytelling is that the kid knows everything that's going on. The kid knows exactly what he's doing, why he's doing it, um, and I don't know any of this. So I'm, that was my initial notes. Um, the, uh, I'm not going to really mark on the, the chase um, stuff, because I think I kind of already mentioned it. Like, you won't know until you die. That yeah, this is what you have to do in a chase sequence, you know, mm-hmm. to get out. Um, so, are we ready to go into the farm with the chicks? Well, like you're saying about dying, same thing with the water. I didn't know I had didn't have unlimited breathing. I, you actually do get unlimited breathing later in the game when you get mauled by the Little Mermaid girl, but you, you don't know how. That's one of my annoyances. No you breath didn't know, meter. Uh, no breath meter. It's like, yeah. okay, am I underwater too long? You have like a visual cue or an audio cue. Yeah, where you'd gasp like three or four times and then he'd die. Yeah, I think it seemed like by the time that kicked in, if you weren't right near the surface, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. Uh, I think I did have a note later on that I thought the panting of the kid was done really well. The audio, just him escaping, like he's running for his life. I thought that was really the well done. audio, the visual design, is very Limbo-esque, and it's, it's a lot of silhouettes in black and white. There's more color in this game than Limbo had, um, but not so much that I would call this a colorful game. But I think it's used to great effect. Like, they're, they're selling... Um, uh, a lot of the dark nature of the story literally in the, the shadows and, and stuff that is playing on there. Um, so you get to the barn. You get to the chicks that, that sort of gather around you. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed it as you walked up. I'm like, hey, they gather around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I jumped around back and forth a little bit. Let's yeah, <laughs> I did. I played with the chicks the first time. You know, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, and then you kind of leave them behind and get into the barn. And then um, you kind of have the first puzzle that the game presents you which is to blow the hay bale off the top um so what you have to do to get this hay bale down um is there's a big giant machine which you got to go over and crank a bunch of times 
on something that's not obvious you interact with until you just start like, all right, I'm just going to smash this button until I can find something I can interact with. Get the machine going. And then um, what you have to do is you have to go back to the door from the inside, open it up, let the chicks in because you climbed into the roof. Run them all to one side. Then sprint back, and so you turn on the machine, which then will suck up the chicks and blow them out, and they hit the hay bale. Now, when you guys did this, <laughs> I was certain those chicks were going to be dead, given the dark nature we've already seen. I thought it was a meat grinder. I was like, no, let's not go here. Did, yeah. Are we already going here? Yeah. I don't want to have to grind these chicks. I'm going to be upset when I read the walkthrough that says, oh, you could have just put this hay in the machine and knocked it off anywhere. You're a monster. You fed the chicks to the meat grinder? What's wrong with you? But the chicks come out unharmed. Yeah, yep, that's a normal day for them. That's no. just what they're there for. Well, the one thing I noticed about the chicks, earlier I was saying the audio was really well done. I didn't think the audio was really well done for the chicks. It sounded like there were little bells. It didn't sound like little chicks chirping. I don't know. That just bothered me for some reason. That was the first puzzle there. I didn't really get it. Like, I went and let them in, and I, I probably jumped back and forth three or four times before I realized that they could be sucked up into it and i've that's... watched some other people play the game uh let's plays um just to get some different perspectives and watch people experience a puzzle and i've noticed on people that got stuck on it if you're watching at the very start of the machine you can see some hay bits get sucked into the bottom that then spit out the top ah. but if you're not looking right there it's not like hay spawns back there or there's constant dust to show you this is the intake and this is where it's blowing out. And it's not super well lit. I can see why it would take you a while to realize I have to put something in it. It was pretty much accidental when I actually got like one sucked up in there. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> there was a moment of horror and then there was like, oh, the rest of you are going to do this. <laughs> Get over there. Um, yeah, I wrote... Uh, Thank God that the chicks lived uh, <laughs> after that moment. Uh, I didn't really want to see that uh, right then. Um, so then when you get outside, you get to the pigs. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of dead pigs. But uh, the next little puzzle you get to uh, is what looks like a tail. Did you guys think it was a the, tail the sticking worm? out of the pig? Yeah. Um, I've yeah. seen another playthrough where those worms were in the ground, uh, a scene before that. Um, if you were kind of looking to the background a little bit, so you might have known that that was a parasite, not a pig's tail. Um, but it's kind of small in the distance, and it's not the thing I think you would have caught the first time through. Um, so, um, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to drag this pig or something, you know, <laughs> and then it popped off. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, so any comments on, on those there? I was just thinking uh, that the pigs, the whole worm thing was might have been foreshadowing. You see all these pigs and they're mutilated. So you're getting the sense that they're doing some experimentation with mammals and things like that. And we'll get on to later in the podcast about Because right after that moment is the first mind control puzzle. Yes. <laughs> um, which is uh, walking some guys back and forth. And I thought it was weird because you have to lift a gate. Right. So mm -hmm. you, you have um, one or two people outside the gate and two people in the gate. And the puzzle is um, you need to. Well, first, you have to pull the tail out of the pig, drag the pig over, stand on top of it, jump up on this mind control helmet. Then you have to walk over, hold the interact button and actually push up to lift. 
But that doesn't lift the gate. What you then have to do is, while you have half of them holding it, walk the other half to the opposite side of the gate, and so four are lifting it at once. And I thought that was really weird because you haven't lifted the gate yourself. Like, I would think that in, in the design, I should have come up to a door that I had to do these steps on. I had to walk up the door, grab hold, push up, and get that door open. To have all that on top of, oh, by the way, I'm mind-controlling people, I thought was a little too much at once in the design. I don't know how you guys felt about that. Like, how long did it take to get to that bit? Yeah, I just made a note that I thought it was weird that all the mind control, I don't know if they're zombies or humanoids, they were, all, they were all adults and there were no other kids in the game. So I don't know if it just made me feel small or maybe it felt made me feel more powerful because I was a kid mind controlling these adults around to do my bidding, things like that. I mean, did you assume they were alive? I wasn't sure what they were. I wasn't sure if they were zombies or or what, or if there was some something created in a lab or something like that. So yeah, because I kind of assumed they weren't alive. They the weren't later, smart. The later you see people kind of walking around, yeah. like, maybe they are alive. Um, well, but- I liked the first one when I when I got to it. I was I thought it was cool. I made a note that it was an interesting idea for the mind control puzzle. I didn't really have any issues with the mechanics. I think I recognized what that puzzle was a lot faster for how to do it, and then I moved along. Because I got stuck for a second, because you had to actually move the pig over to jump on him to get to the... I was trying to jump on the live pig, like do a double jump. Like So he'd run, I'd jump, run, and, jump and, then... and he kept knocking me over like three or four times before I realized you'd go over to the wall and have him run into the wall. So, like, I kept trying to jump from the pig to the helmet thing, uh, and that that just didn't work. But Um, a lot of the puzzles kind of were like that, where the wrong way just won't work, and they kind of, after a couple tries of the realizing it's the wrong way, there's like can get the hint to try something else. Yeah, that's actually like it's not not like you're close. It's like that's really not going to work. You're not. I think that's an actually good mark of a good puzzle design is that you make sure it can't be done the wrong way. Because if you were to get through, I mean, the mind control bit wouldn't change. But let's say you got through the mind control bit without doing it the right way. Now you have a player who doesn't understand some of the basics of mind control. And as you amp up the scenarios, it's like, wow, I didn't know that the fundamentals worked that way because I did it wrong, I guess, and got through that. So I think that's a good thing. It does that for the most part. You're not going to get through any of the puzzles but one particular way. (laughs) Um, After this puzzle you get through, you have a nice moment where um, you get outside and it's kind of a colorful sunset. And I just thought that was a really good moment of like, you got through this, you had this weird alien, you've been running from people that are like trying to kill you, shoot, and it's like, oh, look, the sun's setting. Yeah, I made a couple of notes. I oh, thought there's the, zombies in the distance. What's that? You know? <laughs> made a couple of notes. I thought the lighting effects and underwater effects were really well done in this game. I'm not sure what it was developed in, but uh, I was just amazed when I was underwater and you could see the sun shining through and everything. I don't know if it was a Unity game or not. I, I can't. Can't go on the record with that. It might be their own engine. I wouldn't be surprised about that. But um, yeah, so that lighting area bringing you out of that is the area of the walkthrough is called the city. 
Okay? Because there's a factory after the city. So I'm just sticking it up with this all as a factory. But um, I think the next bit up is one of my first, not only do I think it's, it's a really bad puzzle, um, one of my big complaints of the game is that it's working to create this atmosphere, and I think this next puzzle is so immersion-breaking for me. Um, so this is the next puzzle that you get into is you get into a um, barn, and you climb up in a, a higher level, and you push on a giant stack of wood that's on, like, a crane. So you, you move it over so that then you can, like, raise it and then make some platforms to jump back in the room you just came for, and then there's a safe. <laughs> sitting on a board out in the middle of nowhere. And for some reason, this safe is tied to the board, so when you push it off, I challenge anyone who knew they had to run and jump off that and didn't die the first time. I think I died. It, it reminded me of a Looney Teens cartoon with the yes. safe falling yeah. on the dog. Like this is like, it just should have said Acme on the <laughs> safe. And that would actually clue me into what was going on. And the reason I say that, A, it was bad puzzle design because it's like, Okay, I didn't realize this was going to happen. Didn't expect it. I was going to push the safe off because that's... I didn't even know I'm busting a hole through the floor. Like, I'm just doing the next thing I can do right now, not really having a clue as to why. Um, like, I don't have a clear objective because up until this point, I've been moving to the right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't understand how this is going to help me to the right, but maybe the safe's going to crack and something will be in it that will wreck. We all had that urge to push the safe off just because that felt like that was the right thing I mean, to it do. was obviously that you pointed it to there, but it's tied to the thing, uh, tied to the board. So the boards break, you fall, you die, you come up the second time, you jump back. The immersion breaking for me is then, like, not only am I angry at the safe, but... Why is this safe here? Just sitting on the edge, yeah. Who put that safe on the ledge and then tied it to the board? For what reason? Like, what is going on? And the reason I say this is, like, I start to have problems with the game, is, like, this is a puzzle. This is an adventure game puzzle of you use the weird widget and stick it in the slime so that the key will stick to the thing that you can put on the bird's feather that will fly through the lock. Adventure game logic that has no sense in reality Except the game is very heavily like, no, no, take a notice of the world. Like, we want you to notice all the little weird things that are going in the background because that's your story cues. That's the information. We have no explicit story as to what's going on. So it's like, I'm just supposed to ignore that, but yet pay deep attention to um, zombie pigs running around. Like, that's... Is that a puzzle mechanic? You just like, well, how are we going to solve this? We'll make him drag a pig. There we go. We need a crate. We'll make it a pig. Who cares? Or is it significant to the story? So that's a lot of where I go off road and it's like, I'm kind of meh on inside. And for the record, I was meh on limbo for the same reasons. Like it felt like, okay, these are just contrived puzzle platformer sequences and they have very little to do with actual story and that creates a distance for me I didn't get past. Yeah, I think the safe was just there so you can bust a hole through the floor. And uh, I can't remember if that went to a secret area or if that was a way you had to go out from that room. I, it leads to... I think it, it went to a secret area. Didn't it, it leads to the first one that I found of the hidden collectibles that I had no idea were even in the game until I finished the game and, and went uh, inside 
ending meaning Google Go. Exactly. Uh, and then it's like, if you find all of this, what, so I'm like, what collectibles? Yeah. Like, there was no collectibles in I the entire game. I didn't collect any of the collectibles but, in the first playthrough either. Um, that one I found. Because when the safe falls through and you fall through the hole down and you get down there, um, there's like a little yellow cable behind a grate. And I opened the grate and went in and found one of these um, weird... They look like big versions of the mind control helmet. And you pull a yellow canister out. And so he pulled the yellow canister out and dropped it on the ground. And I just assumed what I had done was unpowered some system that was going to block me later. So I didn't think I just found a collectible. What I thought was, oh, if I had gone to the right first, I would have hit an electric fence and have to go back. Because that's what this yellow cable is right here. And it would be connected to the electric fence. And I would unplug the power and then go on i didn't realize i just found a hidden area or collectible um actually the hidden room we've already gone past like there is yeah. in the cornfield like the secret room that you need to get to to get to like an alternate ending mm-hmm. um i did not know that yes you can dig down in the cornfield and it's like i watched somebody else play the game and still didn't see it and i knew it was there that was <laughs> the one that i was talking about earlier like if you just randomly pressed the interact button you wouldn't find that any other way because the little panel that you got to lift up it's hidden by the corn stalks there's pretty much no way to see that. ah okay yeah so when i was looking for it even knowing it's there i'm not yeah. gonna see it that explains it but with the uh safe there i think i must have died when i pushed it off and i think i just kept going to the right and i never did find that hidden collectible the first time i played through it i think what the walkthrough is calling um the uh City is over and dropping you down into the factory because then you, when you go over, you meet what I thought looked like, and I'm sure maybe Levi did too. Rob the robot? Like, why is Rob the robot killing children now? I remember that. You know, like these two giant robots, they had like, they were supposed to be security cameras. You know, when you look at them closely, you realize, oh, this is supposed to be like a security camera on the top of this robot. It totally looked like the NES Rob the robot. You know, Um, that one lost me there. But um, talking the, about things that remind you about things, I think this might be before the factory, but you're on top of a building and you see these big letters up there. That must be like a theme through all of Play Dead's games. Because they do that in Limbo. Yeah, it's like you saw the big hotel and like the E breaks off or something. It's like, oh, that might be from Limbo there. I'm not sure. And yeah, that that also brings me to another good point that I had. The mind control device and the huge robots made this feel more like a sci-fi game than what Limbo was. Limbo mm-hmm. just felt like some kid in the forest. This actually made it like, oh, maybe I'm in an alternate universe with robots and aliens and things like that instead of just an ordinary world. Yeah, or like this is a normal world with like, this is a secret government research facility or something is going on. Whereas like Limbo had like the Eldritch horror going on of like, okay, I'm in some alternate plane of existence yeah. here right now. I mean, the game's called Limbo. so yeah. But there's no giant robots and zombies and all that. No, no, there were spiders. and yeah. There and were mutant spiders, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this one seemed to be more rooted in a science fiction basis of like, okay, there's going to be a science explanation as to how I'm controlling people. It's not magic. I don't have notes down here until we get to like the Simon Says line. Yeah. Oh, I have a, you might've mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I did like 
Well, the death animations were violent, but it gave me a feeling of like the old Sierra games, kind of like the King's Quest games. Sometimes I just want to die to see how I die, especially like the Space Quest games. It's like, oh, I just want to see what happens see, see all the when I die. die. So yeah. sometimes I had to feel, eh, maybe I just want to die to see what is happens. Is this where it starts, or is it when you get to the line where the cord shoots out of the top of the screen? That's what I had a note about that, that the, the sky is dangerous. Yeah, so like it's, it's the one where like yeah. it's like a bungee cord mm-hmm. with like a spiral thing, it, like comes down, like stabs your neck and yanks you out, <laughs> um, and then like that is harsh, and there's no way that kid's alive at this point. That's not a trank dart. That thing <laughs> just killed you and ripped your body out all in one smooth motion, um, and it was jarring. Like it was quick and fast. Like mm-hmm. if you got in the light, it was immediate. Yeah. Um, so immediately uh, following the robots, or a little bit after the robots, you do some running. You come up to um, uh, a Simon Says line, is what I called it. But you come into a line of the zombies, and they're sort of like walking through, and um, a little like security bot is on you. Yeah. And you have to mimic uh, the moves of the, the zombie line, um, whatever these things are, the mind control line. Uh, to get through it. At first, it's just like they take like five or six steps and stop, and you have to do that and move and stop, move and stop. And then they get to a little area where you have to jump, you know, walk in the zone, jump together, walk in the zone, jump together. They do a decent job of showing you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty lenient, too. Was- it was lenient because the controls were really loose. Like the delay between, especially I noticed that when you had to like turn and face the back, turn and face the front. Mm-hmm. It felt like a noticeable lag between the time I said turn. You know, I was like doing rock band rhythm timing. And it's like, no, I kind of have to pre-turn. But the game was forgiving. Um, the thing that sucked at the end was a dog chase. So it's a little moment when you're going through the line at the very end where there's like a dog that starts barking at you. Yeah. yeah you just have to take smell off. different. Yeah. That's the problem I had. I didn't know the beginning of the Simon Says puzzle and the end. And when the dog started coming, it's like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to run. I, I thought I was, I was still doing Simon Says. Uh, I did make one note. I did like the Simon Says puzzles. I mean, they were simplistic, but it gave me that feeling of accomplishment. I did like that there was a box on the ground that pretty much told me it's like okay here's where you actually have to mimic what everybody else does and when you're outside of the little chalk outlines and you don't, you don't we, we, we get our first look at like other humans or whatever with the masks that are just kind of hanging out or watching i think there was even some kids in there oh like, i didn't remember any other kids in the game like or well maybe not there that might have been with the forklift scene it, where yeah was, i don't know what there was like one big one holding the hand of a little it, one it has to be around now because yeah there's the forklift scene um where a forklift driver comes in grabs a crate and you have to just sit there and wait yeah but there's a guy who opened the door bringing in like his kid to work day <laughs> which I would totally not do if I worked here. <laughs> like, regardless of what my moral stance is on making zombie people was, I'm not bringing my kid to work, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, I didn't like the dog chase also because there was a bit where you had to get the dog to chase you down a ramp, and then you jumped a ledge. Because I was supposed to know that these terrifying attack dogs couldn't jump a two-foot ledge, <laughs> you know, would have to run all the way back up the screen, turn, and come back down. Um, you may not have hit it, because I have actually watched somebody who, after they died in line, 
a couple of times to the dog, not knowing when it was safe to run, just took off bolting right at the start of the checkpoint. And they actually made it without having to lead the dog toward you for a little bit, then to jump past and, and go around. Um, so you may not have had to do that. Um, just depends on when you started running. I just remember the, the fence puzzle next was... Yeah, the, the fence puzzle was forth. annoying. I thought that was annoying as well. You had to get on the fence, get on one side, pull on a board, get back on the fence and lead the dogs to the other side, then go back to the other side, pull on the board a little bit more and do it all over again. And the dogs were kind of dumb, but you actually had to wait on the other side of the fence long enough yeah. for them to make it around the corner. I was like, well, maybe if I just get them started, but no, they're smart no. enough to keep coming back at you. And there was just too many boards to pull off. Like, two would have been enough. Like, I got it. Yeah. I, f- mm-hmm. I figured it out. Now it's just doing this four or five times. There was a lot yeah, of boards to pull Plus, off. the barking of the dogs was pretty mm-hmm. nerve-wracking at the same time. Um, I did make a note at some point that uh, I've lost a number of lives. Um, and I'm not sure what puzzle this was that I made this note on. Uh, because there's not a dedicated disconnect from the headset button. It's a combination of access. action button and pulling down to get yourself to disconnect from the headset Um, and I just have a note that this cost me lives of like I was trying to walk people around and accidentally disconnected myself uh, because I was trying to control somebody and I must have pushed down too much on the control panel on the thumbstick uh, and he disconnected uh, from the headgear and I was like you guys aren't using but like two buttons I got a lot of buttons on this controller. We could use another button. Like, we don't have to, like, make this NES compatible. You know? Like, we can use a couple more buttons, guys. Have an actual cancel button? Yeah, separate. like a cancel drop down. Like, you can still have the motion if you want, but just, like, let me press Y just to let go uh, of the headset. Um, so, let me see. Uh, yeah, I made as made another note at this point of how video gamey the levels are of just weird buildings leaning on top of each other, things propped up against one another, and like I have no sense that this is like real space at this point anymore because we've left all like normal Euclidean geometry behind <laughs> in like basics of construction that I can even <laughs> believe like. Why is there a barn leading to an underwater lab leading to a factory with robots in it? And exactly what is this place that I'm in? Um, and it reminds me too much of Limbo, where the here's what I actually wrote. The dark imagery uh, has little reason, and therefore I give it little consideration to actually having uh, an impact on a meaningful story um, at that point. So... We went to a zone next called, um, after you get out of the factory, you run to a zone called the subway. Did I just think of as the underground factory? I don't exactly know what um, the subway is and the IGN walkthrough that I'm looking at. Yeah, because they didn't name the zones in the actual game. There no. was like 64 the, different scenes that you could jump I only between. started to notice the numbers, like, it, like the two and the three and the four that I thought were maybe like chapter identifiers, but it never actually called them out. Just in the in the random scenery, there would be like oh, really? giant threes for a while, so. and then fours. I didn't notice that. <laughs> I never noticed that. That'd be clever if it does tie in that way. That's what I thought they would be. It's like a big chapter checkpoint, but it, then at the end when you got all the checkpoints, there were a lot of them. Yeah, that's so. another problem that I had. I don't think there was any indication that you're actually checkpointed in it. 
any certain point. I think no, at the very was... end, your completion, like there's a board with a bunch of yellow dots on it or something. Yeah. Did those hinted at items you didn't find or? Yeah, those were the collectibles. Those were the collectibles, okay. Um, it seemed like they were often enough that most of the deaths were really not that bad. Yeah, some no. of them I was like, oh, do I really got to do this with like the wind blowing and climbing up the ladder? And then I get uh, pushed all the way back. It's like, no. I think um, I think that's on the bridge. I don't yeah, my, my next note was underwater. But yeah, the depths come after the subway, which has got to be the underwater sequence. Um, and you get the um, first, first is a little bit of swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to manipulate some of the, the, the mermaid, evil mermaid creatures by being in the water and they come to you and you jump out of the water so you know where they're at and then you go over here you do your thing and then they swim to there so you can jump back out run back over jump in the water again on this side to get them lowered back over here to jump back on the platform um that kind of got frustrating because it was such a quick insta kill if i timed it wrong and they Uh they could jump out of the water a little bit to catch you um so that was a bit of a frustration and the Death animation took a little bit too long, like in in the sub even with the banshee thing. I didn't know what to call them, banshee mermaids, but like the where the she would come in and like crack Merchies. the glass and get you in the sub if you didn't keep the light on her, yeah, or if you yeah. stunned yourself by launching into a wall. Took, or took a long time for that thing. It like rips the hatch off, yeah. go in and grab you and pull you out. I was like, I like, get it, I died. I died let's, yeah. let's go. Like I'm, that's not what I'm supposed to do. The one thing I didn't realize at the beginning was you just had to briefly shine your light at the mermaid sure. for her to get away. Because yeah. I was thinking you had to like shine the light on her to keep her going back. But no, you just had to flip it really quickly, then you can keep going. Then once she's recovered, then she'll come at, at you again. Then you just had to shine your light oh, for a brief second. Oh, I never realized that. I, think yeah. I just assumed like I have to hold it on the, the for three seconds. Mer- I think you just yeah. had to do it for a split second. Yeah, and go back. Like, like back. But I got killed so many times trying to where I had to bust up through the ceiling and she kept going. I kept feeling like I wasn't doing it fast enough. Then after a while, I realized, oh no, you just got to close the door to keep her from coming in. That yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I had a lot of problems in that one too. To not realizing I was supposed to close the door yep. behind me. I had that one too too frustrating, too long to try different solutions. Because the thing I'm on that one, and this kind of goes to like doing it the wrong way, you could get really close to the end. Like if I had died halfway to where I was supposed to go, I'd be like, okay, I know this is not going to work because I'm not even close. But I was like within sight of, you know, being able to jump out of the water and be on the ledge. And I'm just thinking, all right, I just got to get her back. A little bit further this time. Yes. Mm-hmm. This one's going to be the run. Oh, it uh, kept up the streak of underwater video game levels not being fun. So I, I think I wrote that down uh, down here of like why must all underwater levels be terrible? As that uh, was the, really the the only point in the game that I almost stopped uh, just to take a break. I, I did play through the whole thing in one sitting, but uh, that was I was close like. I was getting to where I was like, all right, like one more try, and I'm giving up for, I'll try again tomorrow. But I I did get through it, finally. The next two areas are the mines and then the bridge. I just think the mines is climbing back up out of the water. Well, I was thinking that was the puzzle where you had to get like all 20 people. And get them all on the switch. Oh, that would be a mines puzzle. We actually went back through and back Um, and then up and then to each area. I got (laughs) lost a lot. Um, and I think, I think I was chasing down a solution 
that didn't exist. Because when you walked into that area, there was a guy or so behind a door or behind a gate that you couldn't lift, right? Not enough people to lift it. And mm-hmm. I just like made a note. Okay, I'm clearly coming back to get you. Mm-hmm. And then I think you go through a slide that's like one way. And so when I was like gathering, like, okay, I obviously need 20 people because there's a big counter on this weight, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm going to need 20 people to get through here. You had the elevator, which took you to three different heights. And I was just like, which one is going to take me back to the one guy at the Israel Gate who I never needed? So I spent a lot of time running back trying to like, okay, why can't I get back to here? Um, I mean, I just did it in segments. Like I did like bottom left, bottom right, like mid left, mid right, top left, top right. And then it was done. I sort of had like a completionist hang up of like, I know there's a unsolved check in this direction. <laughs> so I got to wrap that one up so I can just shut down that whole wing and then I can, you know, methodically do it. But I ended up trying to get back, going through all the other areas. And then I had them all. And there was like a, I can't remember exactly. There was like a little twist at the end of it was like a dead one that you had, yeah, a dead one, yeah. had to throw over and just. Yeah. So the thing I liked about that puzzle, well, for one, I liked that they actually had the number of people that you needed to put on the plate. Because some other games they might just like leave it up to you to figure out how many you got to put on there. So I did like how they explicitly listed that. Then I liked how there were so many different ways to get the people that you need to get to put on that plate. <laughs> Um, I don't have specific notes at this point until uh, we get to much later in the game. Um, the, um, the the next, the bridge, um, I did, at least to that point, mm-hmm. obviously, because I had played past it. But at that point, I wrote the wind puzzles are the worst. Yes. <laughs> Worse than the very long 20-person puzzle room. <laughs> Apparently, I wasn't happy about that one either. Uh, some um, of the wind deaths were pretty No clear too. path without <laughs> failures. Uh, and no clear way to know. The timing wasn't like super obvious of when the wind actually affected you because it wasn't 100% with the audio cue. You could go while you still heard like the right wind blowing. after that, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, then and, the one with the crank where you had to move the plate, that one was really annoying too, where you had to move the plate behind the ladder and jump at the right time. It was the one where you had to synchronize it that really frustrated me, yeah. where you just had to sort and synchronize it because what you had to do is get leave it rotating. Yeah. So you could jump and climb behind it and then stand behind the thing and then jump uh, and go uh, before the next blast. And it, it felt... Like, I was on a Mega Man stage at that yeah. point. Like, I'm not in this atmospheric, creepy horror game. I'm playing Mega Man now. Like, this is uh, Air Man right here, yeah. you know? It, it, it felt difficult, but I had the feeling that I knew what I was doing and what I needed to accomplish. So I really didn't find it that annoying. Because like, okay, if I just get the timing right, I can get through this. I think I went several yeah. times before I realized I was supposed to sync it. So that was yeah. probably the frustration. Uh, that I was just supposed to synchronize it with the Switch, not get it to the ladder, throw it off, and then expect I, something I else. I did a couple tries where I would, like, froze it on the ladder and got up to the top, and then I would try to, like, jump back down to start it again in between the wind blasts. I was kind and, of expecting like, a second lever on the top so I yeah. could start it up again. That would have made it a little bit more forgiving. Um, so I guess that's a section they call the bridge. The bridge, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing, I didn't really have any major hang-ups. Like, I... I Liked that some of the explosion death things were were really gruesome. I wasn't expecting it the first couple times I actually got caught out in the open. Right. And just like 
arms and legs go flopping around like okay little like, bits all over the place yeah. <laughs> it's like this is just wind how does wind do that to you well and it's was, very rhythmic wind so it should be mechanical but i kept waiting to find out the source like is there explosions in the distance happening like is there some kind of giant machine clapping doing something just airman stage you know, just <laughs> yeah. that's his thing um and then, like, are we still inside? Like, where we came up from underwater in a cave, and then, like, you go out on the ledge there, but it, there's no clear view of the sky. There weren't, like, stars or clouds or anything. So I was kind of wondering, coming out of the mine thing there, there was a door, but I didn't really understand if we were still inside of a building. I kind of had that Bioshock rapture feeling yeah. for a lot of this. It's like this underwater city or underwater office building. It's like, what happened here? <laughs> yeah, because that's the next after the bridge is what they call the flooded base. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I jumped ahead there. Um, no, no, that's, that's fine. We're going to just move on to what they call mm-hmm. the flooded base. Um, yeah, and, and then your your little mermaid banshees are back. You know, yeah, and, and you have to like dip your feet in the water for that one. And, now, oh, and then you get caught. You get caught. And then it was like I thought I was stuck in oh, some so, kind of I was so irritated at this thirty point. minute death scene. Yeah, like exactly. what is going on? And I was like, all right, great. There was no way I could avoid it or known that was going to be a thing. And now I got to watch this. Okay, I guess it was supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah. After about ten seconds, like okay, I guess I was supposed to. <laughs> and be then it's like, here. so why did y'all kill me before? <laughs> yeah. You know, if if you're the good more people. You know, fighting back against the zombie corporation or whatever is going on up here. Why'd you kill me the first time? And now, like, did we drown? Why Why can we breathe underwater now? It's like it, it infused its DNA yeah. in you or something. You got the well, mutant underwater breathing powers. And then the fish start following you, around, if you notice that afterwards. Yeah, and we never did anything with them. I thought there was going to be like a chick-type yeah. puzzle with the fish, but... Um, it just made me think like the boy was like the chosen one of some sort because you know, like the the chicks followed you without anything at the beginning and then you had the puzzle in the mine where the helmet broke but like still young, worked. Okay, well, maybe that's the answer. That's what yeah. it's about. It's a young Mr. Doolittle. This is how <laughs> Mr. Doolittle like this is what happened. And, and I feel like you and then you control some people without a helmet for a second. Yeah, like yeah, that kind of broke the continuity yeah. there. It was like okay, now I can control people without having the helmet connected to the thing. And yeah, so it made me wonder. Um, I guess we're yeah we're jumping a little bit ahead. Might yeah. as well. Like that's what they call like um, the facility entrance and the research facility. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go up into the moment. All right, mm-hmm. just anything up until the moment. Um, and it made me wonder if like then why didn't I just rip off the head thing at the very first bit and just have one the and whole just time? Carry it around with me. You know, yeah. I don't have to have it all the time. But if they can come off, you know, It'll like still work. Yeah. And then what kind of storage system is that for mind-controlling helmets? Just going to hang something like that, like in a barn? Why? You know, like, what's going on here? Um, So uh, I I did sort of like the moment, but this had gotten spoiled. Because this was, like, in the trailers and such for inside was the moment where you run up to the glass. And everybody's looking in at, like, what's inside the glass, which you can't see the first time. But nobody's looking at you at this moment, Yeah, you know? Um, So you can kind of, like, be hidden in plain sight, which I thought was a cool moment. And it's just one of those bits where I just felt like, like on a movie. Why did you have to put that in the trailer? 
Like, yeah. this is the pivotal moment, and I already knew it was coming, and I, I can't enjoy this because you had to um, put this in the trailer, and I've seen it over and over and over again, yeah. but it's a good moment. I didn't moment. watch the trailer, so. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a good moment when you walk up to the glass, yeah. and you're, you want to look in, but your character can't, but you can't. Yeah, but it wouldn't let me. I tried. A lot. I tried to push that cart over the the little ledge there like thirty times too. Like I thought maybe I. Oh, just wait, you that. actually committed to like I'm gonna look in there. Oh well, I thought like well mm-hmm. then even after that to take the cart to the left, there was like a a pot a part where it would get stuck, and it wouldn't go any further. I didn't realize what I was supposed to do. Like I went, I think I went all the way back out to where I left the people behind. I thought maybe I was supposed to get them with me somehow. Oh, okay. I went back up to the lab, up the stairs, to the cart. Like I didn't realize you could jump. Yeah. Up. Yeah, I saw the cart yeah. and I, on the way back, and I jumped up and left it. I didn't try dragging the cart over to see, like, if I stand on the cart, yeah, tippy toes, can I peer in? You know. Uh, didn't do anything. <laughs> so, all right, do you just want to get into? I mean, I guess this doesn't have to be what happens because depending on how many collectibles you get and the route you take. But for everybody on their first time through, um. Disconnecting the the switches and you you get up in the machine. Dive into the machine, mm-hmm. start disconnecting all of these. Apparently, we have a PhD in engineered underwater aquatic <laughs> you know, life form to know like what we all need to do. Um, like I thought, I kept waiting for something to stop him. Like just swimming around, I'm gonna start hitting these switches and pulling on things. I thought there was a good puzzle before it happens, like where you hit the switch and you lower the water, then you built enough like air pressure, but there's like this portal that's closing, so you got to get enough upward force oh, to yeah, go yeah. into that room. Yeah, I, I thought like that, that was one. pretty that, clever. That was kind of clever, yeah. Which we did skip the. I, I did make a note that I liked the puzzle where the room was half filled with water. Yeah, the opposite way, where the yeah. water was on the ceiling. Yeah. That's a couple of those suspending were, disbelief. Yeah. I, I liked those though. Those were kind of neat. I was kind of one. I think the water was going the correct way, where you had to move the crate over to the right point. And then because the door would close if it was uh, underwater. Mm-hmm. But that's the only time you could move the crates around, and you lowered it, and then you know everything should have gone in the right place. Yeah. I kind of like that. So one. I got a little bit of frustrated with the little pop-up crates, like you had to get one on a ledge, a diagonal ledge, and pop it over on the other side, oh, and time them. Then you had to get one to go up through like the floor and close the little hatch, and yeah. then push it over. And there were a couple went- of those. I uh, got frustrated. Like I, it took me a couple tries, but most of them, like it was pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, what I was trying to do, I just actually like, executing the pull the little tab and like wait for it to go and hit the button. Then there's one point you got to like do two in a row. Then you get into un- the upside down water. Then there's like people like hanging by a noose or something on the yeah. upper side water. In the like, water. It's kind of weird. Yeah, like on like weird like mass effect spike things. It's yeah. Like, are they transforming these people into to something? The, to the murder sheeple things. That's why I yeah. thought they were halfway <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> so you eventually get in the containment tank of what everybody was looking in at, mm-hmm. which is a just monster ball of all the zombie people. Yeah, like I call it the, the meat blob. The, okay, it's like it's <laughs> like uh, the human centipede, like but the Ouroboros version of itself, of like where it's just like reconnected and then do that spherically, and then we swim inside of it because that's what I would do. 
I didn't. I thought it, it like grabbed him. Yeah, I think it grabs him and pulls him. Does it grab was, him like I had disconnected like three of the connections and going after the fourth one. I mean, I pretty much assumed that the in. kid was aware that's what was going to happen because he seemed to know everything else he was doing. Yeah. Um, I didn't make was, a note. And he was naked. Before <laughs> that happened, he's naked, and all these people were looking at a naked kid. It's like, yeah, I feel kind of uneasy like playing this. It's like, give him, why did his shorts have to come off? I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, you can't DNA fuse with clothes on, Levi. Like, that's yeah. just the basics of DNA. That's so. how DNA make things works. messy there. <laughs> and then, so, like, I wasn't clear. I'm like, am I inside this thing? Or part of it? Am I part of it? Am I the thing now? Like, what's going on? I made a note, and this ties back to a previous Knoxville Game Design podcast. It, I had that feeling in Axiom Verge, where you're playing the boss and not the character. I kind of had that same feeling. as like, oh, I'm actually playing the blob now. So it's that feeling of taking control of a foreign entity that isn't the player. You get to have, like, a moment. You get to have, like, a rage moment. <sighs> um, but... The rage moment of like going through and I'm breaking everything and this is wrong and we're just going to destroy this entire base, right? Yeah. No, we're going to go down in, and if this isn't clear to me, um, was the goal to get us to this other tank so that we could escape? Or was the goal to tear down everything and destroy the entire base and everybody sort of like, wise up to like let's pretend to help the blob destroying the base so we can trap it i kind of felt like they were baiting like to to trap and then you you end up in that area where you start pulling the panels off and and then escape and then escape and like leading up to that was more like they were i don't know there were a lot of guys with clipboards like I felt like it was some kind of test. Test or experiment. Because yeah. when it happened, okay, it's like the first time I think somebody helps you, they're like shaking. They're like scared. You got to go all the way against the wall. And they yeah. push a button on the wall and let you through. And then it looks like the next couple ones are like, yeah, this is wrong. This is pity or, or whatever. Like, go be free. The worst Free Willy, like this is Free Willy 3 or whatever, the straight-to-DVD version, right? Um, and, and it's like they sort of seem to help. And then so I'm, I'm and maybe this is intended. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of like looking to the people for the cues of like, where do I go next? What do I do next? And it's like, ah, you go into the garbage disposal right here. I'm like, wait, what? No. Going uh, back to what you were saying earlier about wanting to destroy everything as the blob, I kind of had that feeling like Katamari Damashi. It's like, I just wanted to roll up the other humans and make a bigger and bigger blob out of it. And it also remind me of uh, the Full Metal Alchemist uh, anime, where it's just like one blob filled with all these souls. So I didn't, wasn't sure if it was like a conglomeration of all these different people or if it was a single entity into itself. Right. That's, is this an entity that's absorbing... These people on these souls and I felt like it was itself, different people. Or is it like this a collective and everybody kind of retains their individuality? But well, like if you just like stood still or like up against a wall and pushed down or left or whatever, like the the legs would come out and like brace or the yeah, arms would come out and reach. Flickering. Yeah, so like, I kind of made me feel like it was multiple in like personas working together. And up to that point, I'd been wondering, why are they calling this game Inside? I'm inside of a... Oh, I get it. Now I'm really inside. You're inside. Now, uh, unfortunately, the... I mean, 
right? Everybody's nude and mashed into one ball, but this is not going for like, we want you to see the anatomically correct nudes mashed into one ball. So it's going to be toned down a bit, um, but it was really toned down to the point where this thing actually looked like something that belonged in an oatmeal comic. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I wrote. Like, this looks like it's something from an oatmeal comic. I'm not terrified of this monstrosity. You know, it looks more yeah, comical than horrifying. Wasn't scared of it, but I did like when you fell on top of that one person and like the blood splatter and then it yeah. stuck on you. Yeah. Until you he got in the water. Yeah. So like the arms and legs that were sticking out that were bloody stayed bloody. So for most people, you will get out, go through the water, come to a beach. And that was it. And the credits roll. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at that point, I was left very unfulfilled or satisfied. And I like an ambiguity in an ending. But this was an ambiguity to an ending. I think this was ambiguity to the whole story. So, like, um, go back to, like, Elder Chore, okay? You never will know what Cthulhu is, why is Cthulhu doing what Cthulhu does, it's not going to be answered, but you kind of have the story and you can kind of speculate. Uh, maybe it's an ancient being from a time before, or maybe it's from space. Or did the people, did, did the worshippers of Dagon just tick him off? Did they bring it about or was it going to happen anyway, right? So that's the kind of things in an elder tour you can speculate on. This, I... Don't feel like I can, like I read a bunch of theories of what's going on, and I don't feel like the text, the game itself, what occurred in the game, does any work of, like, supporting a theory. Like, usually, in this case, you go through it and you're like, okay, you can have a whole bunch of wild theories about something, but then the next question is, is your theory supported by the text? If I go back here, can I connect this line to this line to this line to this line and go, okay, like, um, Jar Jar is a Sith Lord, okay? <laughs> it's a far-out theory. But if you get into it, the text of the Star Wars episodes with Jar Jar can support that he's a Sith Lord. Because every time something goes wrong, he's there. And, you know, it's like you're expected to believe he's a bumbling idiot who can also dodge an entire army of lasers shooting at him. You know, so it's like, is he a selective bumbling idiot? Are we being played? And, you know, like, there's a part of me that was like, okay, it's just a ridiculous fan theory. But I like it because you guys have made this work. I don't feel like I can do that on Inside. I don't feel like I can reject the theory of what's going on and go, oh, remember this part and this part and this part? They support the theory that this thing was engineered. Like, one of the theories I heard was, like, the blob was attracting the kid from the very beginning. The kid is, <laughs> like, being pulled toward the blob. But, like you are saying, there really wasn't anything that supported that. I mean, other than, like, oh, this is my interpretation. But, yeah, I made a note here. I mean, there really wasn't any real conclusion to the game. You're just left there for the buzzards and that glowing like sunlight or whatever. But that reminded me a lot of Limbo where the ending was the same. I think you're just left there, dead there for the flies like covering you. And so. there's a lot of what I didn't like about Limbo either. Yeah. You know, like it was just overly, uh, it almost feels like it's open-ended for open-ended in his sake yeah. rather yeah. than the author has an intent and decided to pull it out of the work and would rather you put 
whatever you want there, then I tell you what it should correctly be. Um, I, the thing I wrote, the thing I actually wrote is I could go on the Gama Sutra right now, and I was almost, I'm almost tempted to do this, and write up two articles and see which one gets the most traffic and views and say, inside is a perfect metaphor for the evils of socialism. <laughs> and then write it again and say, inside is the perfect metaphor for the evils of capitalism. Because it's so vague, I can go either way with this. Write a whole bunch of stuff, supporting things, spin yeah. my theories. And then just sit back and watch people argue one or the other when it's like, I made them both up, guys. Okay? Yeah. It does. It's neither. It's the couple neither. of fan theories I read is, is people just kind of chose to hyper-focus in on one thing and then just kind of said, well, that must be it. That that explains all of it. Because the game never really doesn't like explain what it isn't. So you could take anything and say, yeah, it's, it's clearly a factory for zombies. Like, yeah. Because they don't ever tell you it's not, but it doesn't really explain finish you know explaining everything it's just the parasites in the beginning yeah so is it a factory for zombies or are like these parasites everywhere and we're dealing with like zombies now like this is the walking dead 10 years in the future we got the zombies around we can kind of cure some of us but not all of us you know because it was some dna mapping we have to do something with these guys we throw them in a big tank they make a big ball and every now and then we push it out to sea yeah that's the system. It reminds me of the plot diagram that I showed off like on the second Knoxville Game Design podcast. You keep having this build up to a climax and there's no resolution. Yeah, You're just, just there. It builds and it builds and it builds and it's just like, ah. Um, so, I don't know. You guys got any more uh, final thoughts on Inside? Uh, I made some notes. I would have liked to have seen more puzzles with the blob. It seems like the blob was just mowing over everything. And there were some with the people helping them out and everything. Um, I would have liked more in general, I guess. I don't know. It just felt like it was really short. For the- At the moment, what they had, I don't want just more puzzles because it would have really been frustrating and grindy mm-hmm. at that point. So... I wouldn't mind more puzzles, but I need to come with that more mechanics and more narrative, more importantly. Yeah. And like, if these are supposed to be distinct zones, flesh them out and go like, okay, this is supposed to be a factory. A factory does not have buildings going at 45 degree angles. That just is not a thing that are in factories right now. You know, like, why is this weird pressure plate here that opens a door? No factory ever has a pressure plate that opens a door that closes the door as soon as you get off of it. How would you get stuff out of the factory? <laughs> you know? Like, it, it, I, you know, it's just like, ah. And so it's like, I go back and, and adjust and, and, and say, like, okay, this is what we're going for here. This is kind of the ideas that we want you to take from it. And then kind of go back and go, huh, this safe that's tied to a board, there's no reason to exist here. All right, let's have the same things happen, but come up with a plausible scenario that does the same thing. Should we go ahead and talk about the secret or alternate ending? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, didn't, I didn't look it up. So I Googled I, it a bit. Um, there's like 
18 or 20 uh, 13, like those orbs that you have to unplug. Then after you do that, you have to go into the underground area in the cornfield. And then you have to put in this musical note sequence. And I made a note. That would have been impossible for me to figure out if I hadn't read the guide. But apparently there's like a tape or a song that plays some other part in the game. And you apply that to the lever. And I'll go ahead and explain the ending if you... Want me to? But you go through a cave after you open that door, and there's this room with a few computers and like this one plate on the wall that you pull off, and then you pull the plug, then it just goes dark. Yeah, and it doesn't. I, I watched that on YouTube and stuff like that because when I saw what you had to do to get that, and then when I saw that the code was not up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, I was like, I am out. I'm not doing this because <laughs> uh, you get a joystick that you can move and. Well, I think you got to move it in three directions. I think you actually have to go to that big pod in that one room where there's like some grassy vegetation. You can see on the wall the lights of the collectibles that you'd unhooked previously. But I think you have to unplug something in there first then before you get to the secret area. You get to the secret area. But it left it ambiguous as to, okay, did we just kill the blob thing? Or did we just let the blob thing out without having to get into the tank to disconnect it? And so the blob is still on the beach. I was thinking not that's boy of it. Yeah. I was thinking that was like the kid's live stream or something. Like the kid is like somehow powered by whatever it is in this room and once you unplug it, he just dies and goes black and like it's all some kind of matrix simulation dream yeah. or something. And that was his plug into the yeah. world. So but, yeah, cuz I read that and I was just like, wow, that's like the screen just goes black. But like Mike was saying earlier, I mean, it's so open-ended, you can make of it whatever you want to. Yeah, I think anybody will just focus in on something, and that's the theory. I may have read this wrong, or I I may be mixing this up, but you can get the collectibles on any playthrough, right? They carry over? Yes. Yeah. So what I did, I played through the whole game. Then I used a guide to figure out where each of the collectibles were, and be like, oh, go to scene... 64, 32, and then do this. But it was kind of hard because when you go back to reload a scene, there's no numbers on those scenes. So you just got to <laughs> count them one by one to figure out where you need uh, to go. But but it does save if you go back and then you get that collectible. You don't have to do all the collectibles on like one run through or anything. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's at least something. Little- Is there anything other than that board at the end that tells you if there's like a collectible in a scene you missed? Of like, hey, this scene has two things you didn't find. Not in-game. I think the only thing is that board. And also in Steam, you get an achievement for each one of those that you unlock. So, oh, okay. So you could probably tell by which achievements you have. I, I have those. I have that pop-up thing turned off because it causes a lot of issues um, and, and locks up games. I just turn it off. So and I'd rather yeah. not get an achievement because then I would have known I found a collectible that first time. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I got to start hunting for collectibles. Um, which I don't think would have added to anything uh, on the game because I wouldn't have assumed there was a secret ending with it. It just would have added to that. So, well, all right, that's uh, I guess it's gonna do us for uh, inside. I know Levi, you've got some, um, you know, get your news on Greenlight. Yeah, briefly mentioned it earlier. Th- 
couldn't believe it. One Gunman, one of the first games that I put on Steam. There's a little bit of a story I can go into with this. Yeah, why but, not? Why not? Yeah, so there was an article. So, yeah, One Gunman got greenlit. Uh, there was an article on Gama Sutra. It was uh, somebody, like, I don't know, kind of complaining about, hey, they got their game on Steam. They didn't have really great sales or anything. And I went on there and just posted a comment. I was like, oh, well, just getting your game greenlit is a great accomplishment. And sure enough, next day, my first game had got greenlit. So I was kind of wondering, <laughs> is somebody at Valve reading this or whatever? So um, is a game I developed in 2013, which was probably Unity 4 or something. So I've been working on going back, improving the graphics, using the new Unity UI layout options and all that. And I also want to add a couple of additional modes to the game, like an adventure mode where you build up on different mathematical formulas and all that, just because right now it's like a 10-minute game. But I think I can build upon that to make it a full-length five-hour game or so. So aside from that, yeah, check out my stuff at LeviDSmith.com and LeviDSmith on YouTube. All right, Joe. Yeah, I uh, a couple weeks ago participated in a another game jam off of the Game Maker community on Reddit, and I made a game called Twenty One Run, which was like an endless runner with blackjack rules. We had dodge some things and pick up others, uh, and it got thirteenth place out of seventy two entries, which was pretty happy with um and then uh kind of gearing up for ludum dare 37 got kind of a couple other game types i want to try i was trying to do something new with each game i make whether it's a word game or a perspective thing or something with and you're just that kind of say to masochist of like i'm gonna do a new genre during a game jam <laughs> kind of i mean i i keep them simple but it's it's yeah. I want to learn something too, so I, I don't want to just like make a game I made before faster because I know how to now. Right, like, right. That's <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna reskin this old game uh, with the theme, and then you know, there you go. There's there's a platformer. Yeah, I mean, the last one I tr- I tried to pick, uh, I wanted to do something Tetris esque, so I started with Tetris pieces and started messing around from there. So uh, I don't, I don't have anything too fleshed out yet but I, I usually will come up with at least a a genre before ludum Dare starts and try to apply the theme to it after it's announced oh i do that frequently yeah. frequently <laughs> as well it's like uh, i want to do a lemmings type game it's like oh theme is you're the monster okay lemmings with monsters, monsters yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like i keep my notebook handy and i jot lots of ideas down in it so kind of once it Gets announced, I'll flip through and say, all right, this one. So uh, if someone wants to follow along your updates. Uh, you can find me at uh, Double Square Joe on Twitter or DoubleSquareLLC.com. That's my website. I try to post up on there. I need to get more regular about that. but Yes, um, <laughs> we all do. Because I've uh, been working on, so KnoxGameDesign.org, we have forums on there now, uh, directory, and I've been deep learning integration with WordPress. And then on the not time that I'm on that site, I've been getting the thesearevideogames.com website, um, syncing with our YouTube list, importing all that. But I want to write um, some game 
writing like I don't want to call it criticism because I'm not going to put that much effort into it more of just like I got two paragraphs to say on something right now and I'm going to fire that off and I was just like I could do this on my blog but why don't I do this on the site that also promotes the YouTube channel when we're playing the video games and stuff like that so if I want to write a couple paragraphs on the good and gross of Overwatch loot boxes, you know, like what's the great part about it? Like how it's, you know, funding all these free expansion packs that we're getting. What's the gross part about it? They're time boxing all of these assets that make you spend, even if you can earn the currency in game, there's not enough hours in a month and it's RNG. So good luck getting what you want. Um, and all that. So I kind of want to write about like, ah, these are kind of at odds. when I think about that and it's two, three paragraphs and I'm done. Right. Um, so I've been working on things at videogames.com, getting more intimate with WordPress and getting everything handled in and getting that all just situated. I don't feel like I ask for much, you know, out of WordPress, but it seems <laughs> like the things I ask for are really hard to do. And, um, the plugins are always terrible that do that. Like, okay, this site's now taking 10 seconds to load. Why? Because I have a plugin that's inserting some CSS in the header. Why is that adding 10 seconds to my load time? That seems like the most basic thing you could be doing. All right, tear it out. Let's go make my own custom theme so I can put my own custom CSS in there so I don't load 10 seconds slower. And that's not a made-up example. That was legit on both the Knox game design and the thing, a plugin I was using, like Simple CSS or something, was adding 10 seconds to load time. Uh, just to put a few lines of CSS in there to like fix or discuss comments from breaking out, um, that was it. I run into that all the time as well. I use like WC super cache or something plug in to help load the page faster, but sometimes it makes it worse, but there's like 10 million settings that you can fool around with in there. And then I run into like a long first time to bite, which means you're using like too much SQL. Then you have to put the SQL like into the cache and everything. And I've switched our WordPress sites off to, um, so they don't do cron jobs on a page load oh, so yeah. you can have like a specific url you call to run the cron and then i get a service that's paying that url mm -hmm. so that that one's taking the hit for the cron so i'd run the same thing too like well the cache has to be rebuilt go make a cup of coffee because this one load's going to take forever you know <laughs> and uh it's just i don't know it's just it's just interesting things of like how is WordPress this popular and this rough around the edges still, you know? And it's like, well, I guess there's just nothing. Else I've tried there. Drupal, which is like an open source comparable version of WordPress, but yeah, it's just not as full featured. It doesn't have the plugin support. So it's a little bit faster, but you lose all the yeah. nice things that WordPress like, has. It's really nice to paste a YouTube video link yeah. and it just turns into a player and you don't do anything else. And that's really nice. I like that. Um, <clears throat> and on that, so um, you can follow along this stuff. These are videogames.com. Uh, if you go on YouTube, search for TAVG. Um, YouTube will not give me a search for these are video games, but they will give me TAVG uh, as, as a search term. Like, that'll bring back my channel. If you actually search on the name of the channel, no, forget it. Like, we're not popular enough yet. Um, you can do that there. You can follow me on Twitter at VINULL. Um, you can hit me at vinyl.com, but I don't know why you would. I haven't updated that in ages. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'll get that stuff together. Um, anything you're interested about the group, we are noxgamedesign.org. Um, find us also on Facebook and meetup.com. 
Uh, if you want to look around <clears throat> those two places, come to the website, sign up on the mailing list. Our next meeting uh, isn't going to be a meeting. It's going to be a gathering December 9th um, as we kick off the Ludlam Dare Game Jam that Joe had mentioned. So come out, join us for that kickoff. Um, we don't shut down and make you sleep here and eat terrible over a weekend while you crank out a game jam. Yeah, it's not global game jam. No, we it's not be global there game the jam. Whole time. We, don't, we don't do that yet. And the older I get, the less appealing that sounds to me. Um, so you can come there and do that, and that will take place of our uh, regular Descender meetup. So that's everything I got. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to uh, leave a comment and rate the podcast uh, if you like it. We're out. Bye-bye. Thank you.